0: What if I told you loving yourself could change your life? It can, and I know from experience. I'm Lauren, and this is the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. Everyone is worthy of self-love and guilty of letting others develop narratives about you. It's time to shut that down and own your narrative. Let's cut out the negativity and let yourself shine. It's never too late to love yourself inside out. Hey, listeners, it's Lauren. Welcome back to another episode of the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. So, I hope you caught last week's episode. If not, I might encourage you to go back and listen to it because I am sharing a three part series of my experience with therapy and dealing with PTSD. And this part is all about the treatment part. So, this is about the therapy itself. um, And how I went through it, and all of that. Before I dive into anything though, I just want to put this out there. This does deal with obviously therapy, PTSD, and some of that might be triggering to some people. So if it is, if it's something you're not interested in, or it's just not your thing, or you know you have stuff that you're dealing with and you just can't hear other stories, that's totally okay. Stop listening. Um, next week is going to be talking about more about the future and all of that. So it really will be a positive uplifting. Um, so that one you might want to tune back into or check it out. But there is no problem or no issue with knowing your boundaries and setting boundaries and realizing not all things are for you. And I really highly encourage that um, because we all need to have boundaries and we all need to know what serves us best in any moment of time. That's all part of writing your narrative and self-love and You know, listening to who you are. So, that is what I'm going to say about this. Um, You know, I really appreciate the space and the respect why I'm doing this. I have gotten, you know, feedback about sharing the first part of it um, and all of that. And I just want to put out a reminder this is not about the person at all or people involved in my story. This is about my journey. And you know, the impacts on my life and where I'm going, because we all have different scenarios, and I think sometimes when you know there is a tragic moment or something that um, impacts people, you know, there's focus from others or questions about the details of it, or you know what who the other person was or people involved or you know, there's a, and I get it, it's human nature to want to know and really put together all the puzzle pieces to build the picture of what went on. But the thing is, it's not about the others. It's about the person who went through it and how they are moving forward from everything that happened in their past. So there is um, power in that for the person who, you know, Was in this situation and who was sharing their story because they are taking back the narrative around it and they are showing how strong they are and also, you know, how they move through it. And it's important to celebrate that the successes that come when we realize, you know, we need to focus on us and we need to do what's right for us and we need to move through these things and into this next chapter and a next way of being and taking our power back from situations that we may have given it to. And so there's a lot of power in just hearing one side of the story in this case, um, specifically when it's dealing with the aftermath or something after and how a person's life was impacted. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope everyone's week has been going well. Halloween is this week. I can't even believe that we're at the end of October. However, I will say quick, Texas finally has cooler weather for the first time. Um, yeah, like this week, finally, we're out of the eighties. I don't see eighties in the forecast. Um, the EC has finally shut off it's amazing because I love fall and I love fall weather and I love colder weather. Uh, The trees are still green and like all the leaves are still green on the trees. Uh, So that does not look fall like yet, but the weather shift, I will take it. It is amazing. All right. So now to dig in to part two. So the treatment. So last week I left off, After I had learned that I had PSD and that I knew I had to take action. And so you have to be ready for something like this. Like I got to a point where I knew deep down in my, you know, gut and everything, like I was so convinced that I was well, and convinced is the wrong word, but I was so ready to take action and you know, I wanted to change. I wanted to learn. I wanted to do something to change the thoughts that I had been having or the fear that kept running or, you know, I didn't even fully know all what I was impacted by. Like things had become so like consistent and just present in my routine that I didn't even realize all that had changed from then. Um, and so In order, though, to do therapy or be part of it, it's so important you or whoever it is that is looking at therapy is ready to do it. Like it's not something you can just go into and say, okay, I'll give it, you know, a try. I don't really want to do it. So I'm just kind of here for somebody else because I don't think you'll get what you need out of it. And maybe during that time, you'll shift um, your perspective and realize So it's always worth a try to see, but like, you know, there was a period of time where I wasn't ready and I like hadn't gotten to the place where I was like, okay, I can confront this. I can do the work on it. I can re-experience it, um, you know, in a sharing it with somebody else in a very like, you know, intimate way in a way, because I knew I'd be questioned about it. I knew there'd be lots of discussion I knew it could get very uncomfortable. Um, And so I just want to say like to really like dig in. Being ready helps, at least it did in my case. And other, like I said, other people's stories are much different than mine. And we all go through this differently. So I can only speak from my perspective on all this because I, I can't speak for anyone else. But in my case, I knew I had to be like in the right space to be willing to talk about it in the way that I was going to have to talk about everything. Um, Because I, I am somebody who can get very, not necessarily defensive, but I just feel like sometimes if people are being too intrusive, I tend to build a little bit of a wall. Like, why do you need to know that exactly in this moment or, you know, what is my answer to you? Like, there's a question like, why? Does somebody need to know that detail or something? Um and I knew I couldn't be that way, you know, in therapy. Like if I'm paying somebody <laughs> to help me with something, I need to be very like vulnerable, open, honest, and real. And so you're not always ready for that. And um I don't know, like one day I realized I was. I realized something needed to change and that I was willing to do whatever action it took to make that change. And you have to also realize going into therapy, this takes dedication. It is, and a lot of time it is not an overnight solution. Um, Nothing truly fully changes, you know, quickly. It, it takes weeks of prep work and real, you know, like digging in and doing more intense work and then coming back out and recapping and all of that. So it's not something that can just, okay, I talked about it, I'm good. You know, it, um, it took a lot of work and a lot of homework on my end, almost in ways of, you know, just reminding myself like this is why I'm doing it, thinking through things and trying to understand things after the therapy sessions and being aware of what was coming up for me to make sure I was addressing everything that needed to be addressed during the treatment process. Um, and so therapy for me started just with talking like what you see on TV or, you know, um, hear about or think about. So it was just talking, talking about kind of where I am today, like what things happened, what led me here, um, you know, and then focus would be applied to different parts of my story or you know, just really building the groundwork. Um, But then also during these sessions, I got a lot of education and like worked on the development of building certain tools, like tools on how to think about certain things or how to kind of look at the way I had been thinking about things and maybe changing how I saw them, um, tools to, you know, reduce anxiety tools, a lot, just a whole toolkit of how to like keep myself safe when in uncomfortable situations, um, or how to think about conversations with people. Um, a lot of inner reflection, um, and figuring out ways how I currently deal with things and working on? Is there a different way that I should be dealing with it or, you know, the the right way for me? Um, but it was like a lot of getting background and information and learning kind of the science behind how our brain fu- functions and what triggers what and really having a true understanding of like the layers of how we process things and how things move in us and the whys. Um, And like I said, the science behind it, like actually understanding the real, like the true reason, kind of like in a way, if I was going through school, to some extent, I was getting information um, on all of these things and being able to read it and truly understand, but all of the techniques and the tools that I was building Were all things that I can use like for the rest of my life is ways to think about things. It was like broadening my perspective on things and also making me just more aware of how to navigate in a safe way for me. Um, Because we'll all be in difficult situations throughout life and stuff, but it was really cool to get these tools and, you know, be able to apply them in my daily life. And that was like one perk from um, therapy. I had no idea what would come out of it. Like I always imagined, cause this was my first time in therapy ever. I had not done it before. I had not ever really considered it before. Um, I always was like, yeah, if somebody's doing it, that's awesome. Like, you know, I was proponent for doing it, if that's what you needed, but I never had seen myself as someone Going before. Um, like I said, I wasn't ready until I knew I was ready. And then I was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be for me. This is what I need. And it was, I mean, it was, like I said, life-changing. Um But I am somebody who really likes to know the whys and the behind, you know, the info behind it and be really knowledgeable, knowledgeable about something. And so being with a therapist who was able to give me all the education. Information and things that I could read after uh, to understand more about all of it. It was perfect for me because it was multiple weeks of just talking and learning and building these tools and seeing how I respond to things. Like, there were weeks I would have to read through things and take notes or make decisions on, like, okay, yeah, this is this scenario describes me more or. And then, you know, report back and we talk about that. Um, but it was a really cool process because I learned so much about myself, but I also felt like by the time we actually got to the treatment I selected, I felt very ready and prepared to do it. And like I had the tools to make sure I was comfortable the entire way through. And also in a future situation, you know, I could handle it much differently than I did the first time because I have all these tools to help me navigate, you know, um, how to reduce fears that I have or how to think about them differently. Like one of my, I have two kind of techniques that I would say I use more often, um, box breathing, being able to calm myself and focus on the task at hand when I feel like anxiety is raising. Um, so if you look up box breathing, you'll see what that is, but also, and I guess maybe this is kind of technically three, but this is maybe like one B, um, is being able to identify anxiousness based on fear versus being happy or excited. Um, and they are very different and very, they kick off very similarly, you know, similarly where, when you're excited or getting ready to do something, for instance, like stepping on the stage for a pageant or giving a speech somewhere, or maybe you know you're going out of your comfort zone with something, your body is telling you it's getting ready to do whatever it is. When you get the butterflies, when you get the you know anxiousness, your adrenaline is spiking, but that's all in a good way. Um, but very similarly, it feels very like that when you're uncomfortable or you know a situation you don't know how to cope in a situation or something doesn't feel quite right to you but the, it's a very different reason it's happening right but sometimes you don't necessarily identify those feelings differently because it all kind of kicks off the same way and so anxiety can like kind of take over and so being able to recognize like the excitement. And knowing that that means it's a good thing, I was able to reduce my anxiety just by knowing in those situations where positive was coming that it was okay to feel that way and I was still in control. And so, you know, I was able to like keep myself from getting overworked or like working myself up by it, I should say, you know, I was able to like lessen the impact of the anxiety, but still use the parts of it as like fuel to do really well in the positive situation. So that was a really cool learning. The box breathing um, was really cool too. And then also just rationalizing. This was like one of the biggest takeaways for me because I am somebody who likes to do this naturally. Like if I do watch a scary movie, which I do not like horror movies or any of that stuff. And while Halloween is like my favorite holiday, I like things like Hill House, The Haunting at Hill House or something where it's like more psychological versus gory and, you know, scary. Or like Disney movies, (laughs) big fan of like Twitch's uh, Halloween Town and then, you know, like Hocus Pocus, that kind of thing. So that's my jam (laughs) at Halloween. Um, but if I do get in the place where I watch a scary, scary movie, I tend to need to rationalize it, meaning I'll say like, oh, if only they had taken short power naps, you know, like Freddie would have never shown himself. Um, you know, they were trying to stay awake. Like all they needed to do was do this, or I'll try to like rationalize my way through it. So I won't continue to think about it or get scared by something or build, you know, this Alternate scenario of what could have happened more scary or something. So I do. I, I think through, like, oh, well, they could have changed the outcome if only they had done X, Y, and Z. It's kind of like that time. Um, I forget exactly which company the commercial was, but I think insurance or something where they run into the scary, you know, garage behind the change saw hanging or something. And you know, it's like the car was running right there and they could have easily just jumped in the car and left. Like you always are like, no, don't go in there. Um, and so, why do I play out the scenario if they had just not gone in there or whatever? Um, and I never did that for anything but those movies. Whereas, like, I was given tools and education around what if I did that in my everyday life with the scenarios or the thought processes? Could I shut down some of my fears? Because some of the things, um, that I would say almost side effects or things that grew from this situation I was in where I had the perceived threat of life is that lots of little situations could potentially impact my life in a negative way. Um, whether it's somebody I thought who was pulling up, weirdly next to my car, you know, in a parking lot where people tend to go slower and they tend to like be, they're not just like, oh, there's a spot. They're like looking, where's the best spot that I want? But I would literally freak myself out by people who were moving slowly in their cars. Um, Or, you know, if somebody just approached me to ask a question, like it was almost too much sometimes depending on who the person was or If I felt like they got a step too close to me, um, you know, or if they complimented something, I'm like, why are they noticing me? Why are they looking at me? Like I would have like alarm bells going in my head all the time from any situation where I felt like I wasn't in control or didn't know the person And I had like this, you know, fight or flight response building up where my, like I said, adrenaline would instantly spike. I would get the butterflies, all of that. But that was like not the positive. Like I knew it was negative, but I would instantly go from like zero to a hundred over situations where I just felt like I wasn't, you know, the person leaning it in that way, or I wasn't totally secure with what was going on in this could be somebody saying something to me in broad daylight in a shopping center full of people, but I would just be like, why did they pick me? Why are they looking at me? Why did they decide to approach me? There is a hundred other people they could have chosen, right? But for some reason, they decided to approach me. And so the tools that I got around that were building a rational story around it. So I could rationalize, okay, Maybe I looked like somebody who might know the answer they have, or maybe I just happen to be the closest person. Um, maybe they're not really targeting me. I could have been anyone, but I just happen to be in the space they are. Um, you know, there's lots of things why they could have that aren't necessarily scary based, and they may not even realize, you know they're not going to remember what I look like or sound like or anything. They're just trying to get the information they need, you know? So yes, there are definitely situations where red flags are warranted, but every situation in my mind was red flag warranted. And so I had tools then to like kind of work through that a little better. So the only the ones that truly were, okay, this is a little off. Like this is where I shouldn't feel as safe. I was able to like kind of recalibrate myself, become better attuned to that. So not every situation threw me into this. I need to flee. Um, And that was amazing because I didn't even realize fully that I was doing that. You know, it just, like I said, things were so consistent for me in that space that I just assumed I should be ready to flee from. Every situation that I ever encountered. Uh, I think an example I gave last week was about knowing where all my exits were. It was like I was on high alert all the time in any a- interaction that I had, regardless if I knew somebody or not. Um, and that's a lot of interactions. If you think about, you know, in your life, um, when you're at work every day in an office or you're out running errands or whatever it is. I was on high alert all of those hours in any interaction, just ready to like get myself out of a situation. So a huge change already happened in the pre-work of all of this by learning all these tools, because I was able to like, just better, I guess, get myself ready and practice, you know, I even practiced I know there were tools about um, conversations with people and how to almost, I wouldn't, not necessarily like forgive people, but more like do a forgiveness for myself for them in a way where if there was something I wasn't totally thrilled with, or, you know, I felt like I didn't love the way they said something to me or um I don't know. I just if, you know, we all have our own personal thoughts. So if I felt like somebody in a way wronged me in some way, and not necessarily like a big thing, but I just feel like, oh, they called me out a little bit, or you know, I feel like we could have had a better conversation around that. I even learned tools around constructive conversations and kind of just re um looking at it differently and stating things differently instead of being like, Hey, you know, why did you kind of highlight like that? I didn't know X, Y, and Z, or I feel like you, you know, called me out and like doing it more like, I guess, like in their face, not necessarily aggressively. I don't want to really say that, but that's kind of, but I'm saying, you know, instead of going at it from an understanding perspective and being like, Hey, you know, I realized that you think that I didn't, um, fully look at this scenario in the way that you would have, you know, Hey, next time, could you come to me and discuss it with me? Um, because I did, I did look at that scenario and here's the reason why I didn't really, you know, give this example or I didn't include this part, but it's coming at somebody from kind of trying to understand and be in their shoes a little bit more. Um, But I did actually use that with coworkers at times, you know, because it's going to be different thoughts or like just general conversations I was having. And it's not, you know, giving in on your perspective or opinion. It's just changing the way you kick it off and coming from this understanding place and kind of like being like, okay, you know, I'm going to accept how they said something, but let me come at it like, hey, I understand this is how you felt about it. It actually does change the conversation a whole ton. And it removes guards and like very constructive conversations come from that, that I have learned. And so I truly appreciated being able to just like work through all that and learn all these things. So that was a lot of the pre-work. I mean, this was weeks worth of pre-work before I even got into the real work on, um, how to treat the PTSD. So I wanted to share that. And then one of the major things, like I had to kind of, as one of the pre-work items as we were getting closer to the actual treatment, I had to identify all the triggering memories I had because, um, as I mentioned before, I think, and if I didn't, um, I'm mentioning now like a lot of things around my situation, you know, I had these memories built in my head that when things triggered, I would see them and feel them again. Like it was just like I was instantly transported backwards into time and into the exact moment of a similar memory or, or whatever triggered me, you know, would bring me right back to where I felt it. So I had to really spend time and think through what are all kind of the triggers slash memories that come up. Um and then I had to kind of pick the treatment plan for them. Like how was I going to deal with it? So there were two options and for the life of me I cannot remember the one I didn't choose. Like I think it was something with repetitive, like I had to record myself talking about the memory every day or something like that, and or maybe record it and then re-listen to it every day. So I'm not going to really speak to that one because I did not choose it. I wanted something that was quicker. And I actually, I do remember saying something along the lines of like, I have to listen to myself talk on my podcast for editing purposes and, you know, make sure what I'm saying makes sense and all of that. It's part of my process. And I didn't think I didn't want to associate anything negative or like, even though it was very positive I was doing the work, I didn't want to have to like rehear my voice in that way and then have to come and try to edit a podcast at the same time. It just felt too close to me. So I chose EMDR which is eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So I learned that, you know, with PTSD and all of that, like your brain, like I said, is holding on um, and keeps the feeling of the memory with the picture together versus separating them. So the one example um, I can kind of give is like, when you lose somebody the feelings are very fresh and over time while yes it is still very painful and it's sad and all of that but over time you may not tear up right away or you may down the road not tear up and then you speak about the person like oh my gosh we had such good memories i was so sad but you know you don't always go back to the exact moment you found out they passed or the ser- situation around their passing You're able to kind of separate the two, like the memory is still there, but the feeling lessens over time. Like it's not as intense every time. And as time goes on, well, in my situation that wasn't happening. Right. And so in my case, there were a series of memories where I could feel exactly what I felt in that moment. And there were like eight of them, which is I mean, eight is all on, you know, it's not like a double digit number, but eight is a lot of memories to constantly like have re triggers at different times in my life where, you know, I have all these feelings. And so with EMDR, um, basically what it, and again, please look this up on your own and this may not apply for everyone or work for everyone in the way it did for me. This is my story. I'm not generalizing it to the public. I'm just sharing my accounting of what I went through. So if you're interested in this, please do your research. Please talk to somebody who specializes in it or knows about it because for me, it was a powerful tool, but it may not be the tool for you. So EDMR can be done like virtually. So it's on a screen. Um, the times that I saw it virtually, it was like a a circle going across the screen, and my therapist would have been able to control the speed and like all of that stuff um, to do it to the right way that it needed to be done. But it could also be done in person as well, which I almost preferred more in person than virtually, just because I felt like I was in a better space. But in person. Um, I used, like, I guess you can watch fingers or something like that doing that same movement, but I ended up using, um, these two handheld devices that kind of vibrate like your cell phone would, if it's on vibrate for ring. Um, and they would vibrate differently, like one hand than the other. And like, again, the speed could be controlled and the frequency and all of that to do it at the right way that it needs to be done for this process. Um, So that is what I did was the EDMR. And I highly suggest you look it up and learn more about it because in no way do I know all the ins and outs of it. Do I remember all of that? Um, I just remember going through it, you know, in my experience and it's different for everyone. So please do your own research. I just remember two of the kind of like, not necessarily side effects, but I guess a little bit or is that you can have super vivid dreams. And also if you start with like a bigger memory, there is potentially a benefit that once you work through the biggest one, it kind of like has an effect over the rest of the memories where it kind of like lessens the, the intensity of them um, in some way. And those are the two side effects that I also felt going through it. So I will kind of, talk through like how that all works so for me I decided out of those eight memories I had identified that I wanted to tackle the biggest one first um, to see if I could benefit from the potential lessening of the rest of the feeling for the you know the rest of the memories um, which would make them quicker to process through so it was an hour session. We did, there was like a little intro always to it. So like getting you ready for it, then going through the actual EMDR and then like a debrief closure kind of of it. And the first memory took pretty much the full hour and basically like through the prompts and like what I needed to be thinking about and stuff. And like, I'm not talking why I'm doing this, like the therapist would give me a prompt and then I would be thinking about it and really recalling. So earlier we had already talked about like all of the details of the memory. And then in using the prompts, like I would think about what we had talked about and it wasn't like I talked about it right before it could have been, you know, weeks before, but also so kind of therapists already knew what kind of this situation was in my mind. So that way the prompts would trigger me to think about certain things. And then um, basically the therapist would say like, Oh, focus on this. Like, so I would get the prompt. I would think through the prompt and then the vibration would start while I was doing that. And then the vibration would stop. And then I'd be asked a question and I'd say a short bit about what I saw or like, not like full details, but just a little bit about what I was going through. And then it would be like, okay, now focus on this part of that. And then we would do the vibrations again and like follow it through. And it was the craziest thing because the first memory I tackled, obviously the biggest one, it was like, always was so dark in my mind and like, not dark color wise, but like, You know, it was such a heavy memory and there was so much emotion tied to it. You know, I started out like I was crying in the beginning and like partway through. But by the end, I actually was smiling and it was like I could see past the memory. Like because when you're recalling these things, like and when the vibration's going, it was unlocking new things for me. Like I could actually see the clothes I was wearing. The bag I was holding, how my hair was done, like details of this memory of mine became so much clearer. Like I could see other people. I could see what was around me. Like it was crazy all of a sudden what I was remembering. um, Things that were said that maybe I didn't remember before. um, The way a look was. I could actually identify, like, the emotion I was feeling in the memory more so than just, you know, what it had morphed into for the years. But, it, like, I could remember, like, exactly, like, what it was that was triggering me at the time. Um, conversations became clearer. It was amazing what was trapped in this memory and the way the memory kept replaying in my mind and what I would feel. But it was, like, almost, if I could describe it, like... I was dissecting it. Like I was, you know, instead of it being this one huge ball of like this entire, you know, scene all at once, like feeling the rush of everything at once, it was like I was going piece by piece and like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this was going on or this also was happening. Yep, this is actually what was said. Like, it was crazy how the details started becoming way clearer and it was kind of like I could navigate through it versus being like completely overwhelmed by it. Um, But we would continue focusing and focusing. And like I said, I went from being so sad and tearful and like hard catching my breath to like smiling and I could actually hear positiveness in the situation and I could see it and you know, I remembered. I remembered positive things about the situation, um, that were all wrapped up in this memory that I was working through. The biggest one, and I will tell you, the biggest memory wasn't actually the perceived threat to life. It was something that happened around it, but was very much related to it, um, which is why there's positive. Parts of that memory that had been suppressed and, you know, so yeah, this hour was amazing because by the end and by the debrief part of it, I had a whole new perspective on it. Like I actually left with a way better memory than I started with and the emotion, all the sadness that I had felt didn't trigger when the key trigger words or things that had previously made me feel, you know, an automatic response, like they didn't come. And I was like, okay. So I was like, wow, this is like miracle working, right? Like in my mind being in an hour, being able to like rewrite an entire memory is just crazy to me. I was like, how do I even comprehend that? But I felt amazing. Like I felt like weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I remember sitting in in my car after the appointment and just being like, "Wow, like what just happened?" I was smiling, I was happy, I felt like I could breathe better, and I was just like, "Okay," but part of me, the skeptic in me, was like, "All right, so let's give it a couple of days." You know, I'm gonna retest myself and keep trying to rethink of this exact memory and see if I like revert back or, you know, over the course of the next week before my next appointment, like I'm going to keep retrying to think about it and prompt myself to feel the way I used to feel. And no joke, I tried a ton. Like I focused on it. I thought of other things that would trigger me. Like I did everything I knew that had gotten me in the past. I, I did all of it again. And I didn't have the same reaction. Never once did I get triggered by that memory. And I still haven't to this time. And it has been months since I did the therapy. Like maybe even close to a year. Um, but I have not been triggered by it at all. Like I can remember it all, but I do have, you know, a slightly different version of the memory now. <laughs> but the emotion is no longer attached to it in the way that it was. Sure. Yes. Do I still feel feelings? Absolutely. Um, they just aren't an overwhelming wave that crash into me when I think about it, which is amazing. It's like, no, I, I think about it now in a much different way. Um, I've taken the power back over that memory, right? Like in a way, like now I think about it in a way that is much similar to the other ways I think about memories, you know, positive or negative. Um, And it was shocking to me that it happened in an hour session. So what I noticed after that session was that when I was testing myself that first week to really see like if something would trigger, I was noticing that other memories weren't as sharp. Meaning, I still saw them, but the feeling that was there wasn't as like overwhelming. Like it did lessen for me. Thank goodness. Like I benefited from that potential side effect of doing it, and I think it is because I did the largest one first. Like I did the one that held the most weight. That was the most, you know, um, debilitating to- for me. And I was like, I'm tackling this head on. Um, but I did notice like. The feelings weren't as strong. They were still there and they were still stronger than other memories I have of life or like sadness or happiness. Um, So they in no way like went away from the one session, but they weren't as like overwhelming of feelings, which was way cool. The other thing I had mentioned was the vivid dreams. I absolutely had those after the first session. I did not have them after the other sessions where I did EDMR. But the very first one, like that entire week, it was crazy. And the only way I can really explain, like, how vivid these dreams were is if you've watched Twilight, when Bella does become a vampire and they, like, show you how clear she can see, like the dewdrop on the blade of grass, but, like, you can actually, like, see into the dewdrop and all of that. And, like, you can see the air particles in the air and, you know, how much clearer it became like, that's the level of how vivid my dreams were. Like I could see in that way in my dreams, it was really crazy. I didn't expect when they, (laughs) when I was told like vivid dreams, I was like, Oh, okay. I'll just remember. No, it was like nothing I've ever experienced before, have not experienced it since it was literally that only that first week. And the Reason why that might happen, I've heard, is because your brain is like rewriting stuff and it is processing, sending things down the two different paths that it should. Feelings go one way, like memories go the other. Um, again, look this all up because I am not a therapist, uh, I do not know all the technical terms. I've not gone to school for this, this is just based on my experience. But like, it was absolutely crazy those dreams that I had, and they were like normal dreams that I would have had. It's not like the the dreams were different. Um, But it was just the amount of detail I saw was insane. Um, And again, that only happened on the first session for me. But I went through eight weeks of the EDMR. I think it was only eight where we worked through one each time. And like the amount of time it took to process some of the other ones based on how big they were, or like smaller. I went from like largest to smallest in terms of impact on me. And so they got quicker to process um, as time went on, but it was the same thing every week. And by the time those were done, it was like game changer. Every week I felt a little lighter, a little lighter, like more like I got it. I had it. I didn't need to be impacted by this anymore. Like and it was just crazy because I didn't realize how much was impacted, like I said. And like, I remember walking into one session, and I, it was probably like midway through the actual ED, EDMR part, um, those eight weeks of that. Um, it was probably partway through that part of it. And I remember saying, you know what? I actually haven't heard a car pass by me in a long time. Um, and it was like through discussion, I realized that at the time I didn't even realize it till we were sitting down and talking, but it was like, I used to always be so aware of cars, you know, backfiring or stopping or why are they parking? And I, I told you, I living on busy streets, like you do hear cars, right? as background noise, but it was crazy to me that I realized I hadn't paid attention to any of it. And it just like, I didn't even realize it didn't happen, but I think it was in one of like the prompts or the questions about talking about something. And it was like, wait, I haven't even focused on that. Um, so just totally crazy, like things that I had, you know, been so focused on or so aware of for all this time. I just didn't anymore. It was like, I don't even, I couldn't tell you when it stopped or like what day it stopped or like what I was doing when I, it was just kind of like, oh wait, I don't, I guess I don't do that anymore. And I've noticed too, like in situations, I'm not always like on the fight or flight mode anymore. Sure, when I need to be, I absolutely am like, but every situation doesn't warrant that response. And that's something I also noticed during the process of that. But so EDMR worked for me. And like I said, each hour of those sessions, I was able to like move through it all. And like I said, the main things I was learning in the sessions was seeing myself differently, remem- remembering different details that I probably blocked because I was so overwhelmed and like able to see these other details of the situation to give me more perspective and to like make it not so overwhelming, which was really cool. Um, And then after the EDMR sessions were done, right? Because of course we checked again, are there any other memories out there? Cause we tackled the eight. Are there any more that like have come up from it? Cause um, I guess that could happen too, right? Like as you're going through things, new ones could unlock, but there was nothing else I could think of that was blocking me or triggering me. And trust me, like I said, just like in week one, I tested myself then, but I tested myself throughout those eight weeks because I really wanted to make sure like I fully exhausted all things like I was fully, you know, making sure like I was covering what I needed. I was getting it done. So it was an exhausting eight weeks for sure. Well the whole therapy process was mentally exhausting, but the eight weeks were intense in the way that I really had to dig deep and like go into all the stuff that I, you know, kind of tried to like lock in a box somewhere. (laughs) And that kept creeping out. Um and so it was a lot a lot of work a lot of work and i knew it was doing good and it was uncomfortable it was not fun um but it was well worth it in the end so at the you know like let's call it week 9 of the edmr like we started to wrap up and like close so i'm sure we met a few more weeks but it was more like you know, making, debriefing the whole thing, making sure everything was covered, making sure I felt good about my tools, you know, making sure those were still with me and that I was using them correctly and just touching base and kind of like spending the time needed to work our way back down from this intensive process that had happened. Um, and then, you know, a closure session because I didn't feel like I needed to continue my therapy journey at the time. I felt like I worked through all the things and, you know, it was time for me to step back out of that. Um, and, you know, perfectly fine. If somebody keeps going too, and I'm always welcome to go back. But at the time I kind of felt like, no, this is what I set out to work through. And I felt it was really beneficial. Um, and I have a deep appreciation for therapists out there because what they do and the things they must hear and the journeys that they're taken on and the stories that they you know get it's like they see some of the worst things people have been through and they have to help them get through it so it's amazing to me the work they do and the appreciation they have cuz I don't know I've never really thought about it in that way before but magic workers. I would say EDMR for me was seriously, it felt like magic. I had no idea this could ever, I would ever feel different again, but I do. And that is the perfect tee-up for next week. I will talk about all that has happened since the therapy. Like I said, I think it's been just over a year, right around the year mark since it. Um, so I'm excited to share what I've continued to learn about myself, and the aftermath of doing all this work. So thank you for tuning in and giving me the space to share this. Um, it is a story that I really hope helps somebody else if they need therapy or if they don't want to feel alone. I really hope that's what this is doing. But amazing stuff happened for me in that those therapy sessions. So I can't wait to dig into all of that. All right. Thank you for listening. Catch you next week. That was your weekly dose of self-love with me, Lauren. Want more? Tune in next week and connect with me on Instagram at Mrs. Lauren Elizabeth Jones. Send me a DM, let me know what you want to hear, or what you think, and we'll talk about it all. Join me on the next Love Yourself Inside Out podcast.